0: And then we go forward and, and we end watch game. Avengers Endgame when the Hulk is on the rooftop talking to the Ancient One to get the Time Stone from her, the Infinity Stone. She says that, oh, Dr. Strange is over there performing surgery. You're, li- you're a little bit too early. And she already knows that Stephen Strange is going to be a Sorcerer Supreme and he's supposed to be the best of us. So it kind of doesn't make sense when in Dr. Strange, she wasn't going to train him. But then when we go to the past in New York during the attack in Avengers, years before, years years before, She says that she was going to train him, so I think there's a little bit of a loophole there that they just don't care about. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James. We're going to do some MCU stuff leading up to Spider-Man No Way Home. And we figured because Doctor Strange is such a prominent character in this new Spider-Man film, we might as well cover Doctor Strange today. And, I mean, Doctor Strange was... It's probably one of the most important MCU films, if not the most important one since like Iron Man or Guardians, because Guardians, I mean, Iron Man started it all, obviously. Guardians expanded the into the universe, into the galaxy. So it gave you that wide scope of the entire galaxy of characters. And then Doctor Strange uh, was necessary in executing the multiverse, and showing audiences the multiverse, which allows for the possibility of not only films like Spider-Man No Way Home to Happen, but also, Avengers Infinity War that in Endgame that story to happen but also the ability to bring any kind of character from any kind of reality even past films into whatever movie you want so I think Doctor Strange is probably the most important MCU film since uh, Iron Man I agree because yeah you're it's enabling the multiverse which we don't really know a lot about yet because they've only dabbled in with this movie and then obviously they're going to open up Pandora's box in the Spider-Man movie which I'm really excited to see but then uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is coming out next year, right? Twenty twenty-two summer. In, in July. summer, right? So, yeah. that'll just probably take it to a whole new level, and it seems like Doctor Strange is going to be one of the main Avengers going forward. That's kind of what I'm gauging based on the the time in which he came into the Avengers being 2016, but he was obviously hinted at earlier on. So, although that's, this is Doctor Strange's first outing in an MCU solo movie, the character has been teased in earlier films. So, in Thor in 2011, the orb of Agamotto can be seen among the treasures in in Odin's chamber and then in Thor the Dark World in 2013 the crossroads is among the various phrases written on Selvig's chalkboard the crossroads is an other dimensional reality that has a prominent role in the Doctor Strange comics and in Captain America Winter Soldier in 2014 Jasper Sitwell mentions Stephen Strange as one of the high-risk targets that Hydra keeps under surveillance so isn't Doctor Strange if you if you like put the MCU movies in order of timeline chronologically Uh, isn't Doctor Strange one of the first ones? What do you mean, time wise, chronologically? Well, Well, Stephen Strange's character, yeah, wasn't was was, is he established as Doctor Strange? No, that's after after New York, after New York. Yeah, okay, got it. Because remember, well, we'll talk about. There's a loophole in this film and in the MCU in general that actually. Relates directly to that. But before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost podcast is to become a patron at patreon.com slash Raiders of of the Lost podcast, where you get awesome perks like podcast schedules, personalized videos, Patreon shoutouts on the show and a weekly bonus episode every Wednesday that only you'll have access to. We just also launched our podcast masterclass online course. So for anyone who wants to start a podcast or improve their current podcast, our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course will give you all of our secrets behind the scenes of our show to learn how we achieve the success that we have so far the link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com, or just go on our website raidersofthelostpodcast.com, and you can find the link to Teachable there. Check out all of our sources of content as well, our custom movie posters, our merch. Follow, subscribe wherever you're listening and watching on YouTube. Hit the notification bell, and thank you so much for tuning in around the world. Now let's get back into Doctor Strange. So, were you just asking me? So, that? actually, I have I have the list. So, Doctor Strange. If you watch the if you watch the MCU movies in chronological order, it's like that. 18th that you would watch. Yeah, so it's kind of like yeah. in order when it when it came in, in the right spot. It's, they say to watch they say you watch it after Black Panther. So it goes Spider-Man Homecoming, Black Panther, then Doctor Strange, then Thor Ragnarok. Although there is so just to go to the loophole so I don't leave everyone on the edge of their seat that I was I talking about. I was on about, the edge of my seat. So In Doctor Strange, there's the scene where he first shows up to the Ancient One's temple, and he wants to get trained by her and learn the arts to heal himself. And the Ancient One, played obviously by Tilda Swinton, the Sorcerer Supreme, rejects him, casts him away, and doesn't want to train him. And then it's um, Sheetal, who's your character, what's his name? Mordo. Mordo. He convinces the Sorcerer Supreme to train Doctor Strange. She doesn't immediately want to do it so it's but and then when we go back and and then we go forward and, and we end watch game. Avengers Endgame when the Hulk is on the rooftop talking to the ancient one to get the time stone from her to the Infinity Stone she says that oh Doctor Strange is over there performing surgery you're, li- you're a little bit too early and she already knows that Stephen Strange is going to be a Sorcerer Supreme and he's supposed to be the best of us. So it kind of doesn't make sense when in Doctor Strange, she wasn't going to train him. But then when we go to the past in New York during the attack in Avengers. Years before. Years years before, she says that she was going to train him. So I think there's a little bit of a loophole there that they just don't care about. Yeah, because you could say that it was a test to sh- see if if steven could like withstand waiting but like she spoke privately to morto was like i'm i don't want to train yeah, exactly. another talented sorcerer just to make him turn possibly to the dark side so it's it definitely wasn't a test she definitely did not want to train him at first so that's definitely a good point and i think that i didn't even notice that at first but you pointed out i was like oh dang you're right yeah yeah no big big, big hole plot hole big mcu <laughs> or maybe maybe uh did Banner go to a different... Dimension. Dimension? Reality? It's possible. Where, no, anchi- no. where the ancient one... Well, I mean... Where the ancient... No, no, because the, the quantum realm, they're not in different dimensions. They're just in the in same, same timeline. In that one And branch. that's the whole point of Cap going back in time to put the stones God, back. Yeah. Remember, that's how Hulk convinces her. Yeah, and, like, and then she's like, you don't want the branch to happen, the branch out into different dimensions. And also, yeah. it's because Stephen Strange sent. Dr. Doc- Strange sent Hulk to see her to get the time stone. That's why she gives it up yes. to Yes, 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 yes. So it kind of just doesn't fully make sense. Not a big deal. The rest of this movie I really like, so I just want really to. You were get... watching Game like, this is BS. I just. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just something that, Inaccurate. <laughs> that I've always been wanting to talk about when yeah. we eventually covered Doctor Strange. It's just a one little thing that, you know, when you're writing 20, 30, when you make 30 movies in 10 years, there's going to be some discrepancies here and there. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Great point. But overall, I like Doctor Strange. I think it's a lot of fun. The visual effects are really incredible. It feels a lot like, this movie reminds me, like, it's like Inception plus The Matrix plus like surrealism all combined to make this really cool film. Yeah, and plus science, like they used astrophysicist was an assistant on helping to create the quantum realm and understand like the the science behind it and what it would feel and look like. So they definitely did a lot of research and put a lot of effort into portraying that multiverse, that endless set of endless alternate realities that are just infinite. Yeah, so astrophysicist Adam Frank served as a science consultant on the film to advise on how to portray changes in the human experience of space and time. Frank also helped Marvel conceive their ideas for the movie for the multiverse, can't talk today, as well as suggest dialogue and belief stances for the characters in the multiverse in general, Is just vastly different parallel worlds, along with vast different realms of existence, which means that there are infinite possibilities of what characters can come in and leave and and join different dimensions in parallel worlds, which is so interesting. And in terms of, um, it's cool how they depict magic in this film, because magic's not like, it's not like Harry Potter magic, where you're creating magic from within you, within yourself when you use your wand as a like basically like a lightning rod of focusing your magical energy like an antenna yeah antenna thank you, yeah, got you. perfect but in in this world ma- magicians they tap into energy interdimensionally and they bring that energy from different universes and different realities into this one and that's what creates their magic i really like that concept of the energy isn't coming from themselves like like stephen strange doesn't have magic in him He has a great talent of being able to tap into magic from the other dimensions and bringing it into his reality, which also makes you wonder, is Wanda's energy, Wanda Maximoff's, her chaos energy... I, I mean, I don't know much about it, but I'm guessing it's probably something similar where she taps into energy from other dimensions as well without even knowing she's doing it. Which, that's like a big difference between them two where he's controlling it and he's trained to use this energy, whereas her, she basically that sometimes can't even control it and sometimes it's just so powerful, but it just comes innately to her because she's technically a mutant and she's not trained at all but she can just tap into it naturally i think you're actually absolutely right yes just my guess because it seems so much the same especially the scene so when uh steven starts his training and he's actually taking it seriously he's going through all the books he's addicted to the knowledge of what he's learning spirituality and everything once he accepts it and there's the shot where he's progressing very quickly in his training he's asleep but his astral projection is awake reading through books and then it's a really cool shot of him reading while he's asleep doing something else and it's the exact same situation in wandavision at the end of the show the last shot of the show when wanda is just sitting down like meditating or something but then her astral projection is going through stuff as well right yeah exactly something like exactly. that exactly the same so i yeah. think it's obviously this episode is brought to you by visit williamsburg I think you're right that it's the same kind of magic. I think she's like she's like reading a book in reality, but then her astral projection is doing like spells. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I haven't seen it since it premiered and we saw it. What do you mean? You haven't seen it six times? <laughs> <laughs> so I think you're right. And I love the concept that you're talking about where it's the magic works, where it's harnessing energy from other dimensions of the multiverse. Yeah. In, in terms of Spider-Man No Way Home, it looks like, I mean, from the trailer... And from what I predict the story is about, it seems like Doctor Strange will be the villain of No Way Home, but like a villain, a necessary villain, but still like a hero in the world. Like he's still a good guy, but maybe he and Peter have completely conflicting viewpoints on the conflict and they're both, they both might be right in their own ways. And it might just Doctor Strange isn't like an evil villain, but he's just trying to stop Peter from peter accomplishing his goal i think that P- I think that strange could possibly be the antagonist of the movie maybe yeah the antagonist or at least the catalyst obviously for the dimensions opening up well, yeah, that, multiverse. yeah for because sure. obviously Stephen strange the character played by benedict cumberbatch super interesting he's highly intelligent highly successful but also highly arrogant and obviously in dr strange it takes for him to finally achieve the power that he does he has to let go of himself being the center of attention, let go of his arrogance. But it's, my, my guess is that just like how when he was the top surgeon, you could say neurosurgeon in the world before his car crash and everything, when he was the most arrogant probably in his life, maybe even though he humbled himself in Doctor Strange in this story, got his powers, then becomes a Sorcerer Supreme eventually, right? Is he a Sorcerer Supreme? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. By, um, t- by no way, home for sure. And then they defeat Thanos because he went and did the projections and predictions, and he's like that one. And he's he maybe he's got his arrogance back where like I'm Doctor Strange. I I stopped Thanos, obviously it was it was me doing <laughs> we need to do this. So maybe he's so arrogant g- again, he thinks he can create this impossibly complex spell for Peter Parker to have everyone forget who Peter Parker really is as Spider Man and that's what opens up the dimensions and everything. So maybe maybe it's his arrogance that is the villain. I, and I do wonder, it, that would make sense because it is, I mean, the entire setup of No Way Home, <clears throat> making that spell is v- grossly irresponsible, and so it could be a sign of just his continued arrogance within him that he hasn't fully erased of him being like, I can do this spell. Screw you! I Wong. think so too. Just hit the way he's, hes like walking around in like the sweatshirt with the mug. He's like, don't worry, I got you, Peter. How dare he wear a sweatshirt? And, and... So so arrogant. That's an arrogant sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> he's just walking around like I'm the man. Like, but you know, Wong's like, don't don't cast that spell, Strange. He's like, don't worry. <laughs> I got got you. you, got you, Peter. <laughs> That's just my theory. That's what it looks like. Yeah, I, I but I think he's gonna be the antagonist. But I love Doctor Strange because it's kind of like Ragnarok and guardians we know we, we've seen dozens and dozens of superheroes in these films and obviously dc was putting superheroes as well but now we see sorcerers and we see magic and supernatural abilities and astral self-projections and the the self-healing soul power that dr strange eventually learns And i think it's a lot of fun to just change up the concept to not just like super strength and like and like being a hero and, a, and like genetically enhanced but now we have a, a magician and a sorcerer it's fun yeah i love that aspect to the character and it's a great addition to the mcu it was great to see it was very refreshing and also i still prefer for solo movies for characters to just be their solo movies i know a lot of people love um not just the avengers team-up movies but when other characters are in the solo movies of other mcu characters like tony stark in um, homecoming and stuff like that but I still prefer when a, a MCU character has their film, it's their film only. Yeah, I like Homecoming a lot, but it feels like an Avengers movie. Yeah, You know, Tony Stark and Captain America are in there a lot, mm-hmm. especially Tony Stark, because he's in like a half a dozen scenes at yeah. least. And, and um, same thing with like Civil War. It's, it's more of an Avengers movie than a solo movie. Yeah. I just like when a character, they have their own conflict that they have to deal with on their own without help from the other Avengers. Yeah, no one's coming yeah. in at all. That's why I like Doctor Strange as well. And also the visual effects of this movie are exceptional. And it's really interesting if you watch behind the scenes footage of this show of this movie because it's pretty much the whole movie was shot on green screens yeah. around Doctor Strange and obviously sets built with green screen windows and stuff like that. But there's a lot, lot of green screen production in this. Um, great use of practical lights at the same time though for especially the magic powers and the portals. So like whenever characters are using the sling rings and obviously those like glowing orange orbs around their hands they're actually holding these these glowing flat discs to create that practical light on themselves and their environment so that they don't have to create that in post-production you know that's something like lightsabers that was the that's the only con to the older Star Wars movies is you don't see any light from the lightsabers on the actors bodies or faces and then they did that they corrected that in the new ones where you know if, if Rey has her blue saber The blue lights pouring on her face. Yeah, that's important for. When I saw the trailer for Force Awakens for the first time, and the blue glow is on Finn's face, I'm like, that looks epic. Yeah, it looks really cool. And also, the rope that Doctor Strange uses a lot—that was just like an LED strip rope that he used. So stuff like that—it's very practical, but it helps so much. Yeah, I will say though that there is a ton of CGI in this film, and I feel like it it does—it does look great. It got Oscar nominated. It didn't win, but it does look great. I just feel like there was a lot of opportunities for practicality. When they went CGI, especially in terms of um, the cape, the cloak, the cloak. Um, I think that there, you could just throw get a puppeteer to make the cloak move on set. Yeah, it might have been, and yeah, because there, there are a few shots where the cloak looks a little too CGI yeah. compared to Benedict Cumberbatch realist real being real. So, and also, I think they could have done some fun stuff set-wise set, set design-wise but i mean that's this is the way um marvel rolls they just go with cgi it's easier it's faster more efficient and they have like a lot of control over what's being filmed so i understand that but i just think in terms of cgi it may be a little too much in this yeah film. the thing with the cloak though is because they characterize it so much like in the comic books it does have uh like powers like they obviously offers flight and in, in, uh, uh floating and stuff like that and it can act by commands of doctor strange but it doesn't have a personality like it does in the film oh, i like the personality i love it it's yeah. one of my favorite parts like of the movie funny. i wish the cloak was in more of it like yeah. he's so funny it's like an intelligent cloak exactly that's why it's so fun i want to talk about that later on but i actually love that a lot but the plot of this movie even though the it, it seems complex with all the magic and sorcery but once you get down from that it's a pretty simple plot and it, it works really well so it opens with the theft of the book of cagliostro which was a successful act of infiltration undertaken by former Masters of the Mystic Arc member, Kaecilius, who's played by Matt Mickelson, awesome Love actor, him. and his followers, the Zealots, into the Karmartage library. Karmartage. To- Karmartage, sorry guys. It's a weird pronunciation. Karmartage. Karmartage library to obtain the ritual from the book of Cagliostro, which will not just grant them power from the dark dimension, but also allow its ruler, Dormammu, access to the earth and its dimension. And Caecilius is a, a, I think he's a really solid MCU villain, and it's a great opening sequence for the, for the film. It's a very different, I remember when I watched it, I was like, oh, I'd never see anything like this in the MCU. They think they knocked the opening out of the park when not just from them killing the librarian, like and beheading, beheading him, him. him and showing it with the shadows. Like It's like it reminded me of how uh, the animated Disney films would show violence off screen with either a shadow or just like showing the, ca- the knowing that the violence is happening away from the camera. I thought that was like a nice, cool, harkening back to old Disney films. And then also, you know, that battle in the mirror realm that the Ancient One um, creates. And it's a great, when you get to see what the magicians can do and how they can um, interact and uh, uh, change everything around them, it's very much like things like that. It was like the, I always wanted to see Neo doing the Matrix. Yeah. You know, really he could, they set it up with, he can change and manipulate the Matrix however he can see fit. So he could do stuff like that. Um, And that's, I feel like there's a lot of missed potential in the Matrix sequels and I feel like he could be doing things that the magicians and Doctor Strange are doing. I think that this movie was definitely heavily influenced by The Matrix. I think you can see stuff like that happening all the time in the film, and obviously when we get the martial arts and stuff like that too. So, but Cassilius he wants to bring Dormammu, which is a pretty badass name. Dormammu, Dormammu. sounds like a death That'd metal be a great th- dog, like name. a Swedish death metal band. Imagine Dormammu. 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 <laughs> Imagine naming like a cat Dormammu. <laughs> <laughs> get him over here, Dormammu. 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 <laughs> and Dormammu. He wants to bring him into the dimension and create a new world. And he thinks he'll be like the like the top dog in this new dark world. And yeah. he, but he, he doesn't understand where I think one of the best jokes in the movie is when Stephen Strange realizes that the warnings come after the spells. Mm-hmm. And then he has that joke at the end of the film, which I think sometimes those those ending jokes can be anticlimactic because it's like right after the most serious dramatic moment ever yeah. moment of the yeah. film. But I kind of like it in the MCU, you kind of expect it these days. Mm-hmm. But um. Maz Mikkelsen actually admitted that with all the computer-generated imagery in Doctor Strange, he got a bit lost on how to film his scenes, especially during the mirror dimension scenes. And I can kind of see that. Sometimes it looks like he's like, am I running in the right direction? But also you get to factor in like they're on a giant green set, like everything is green. The platform he's standing on, all the walls surrounding him, The floor, everything is just plain green. And the only thing that are marks are like pieces of tape on the wall. Like that's going to be Dormammu over there or that's going to be a building. And then imagine like the filmmakers are like, okay, so this building is transforming around you. And then you're going to jump onto that platform before it moves over there. And he's probably (laughs) like, what are you talking about? How much am I getting paid? (laughs) (laughs) I think though, Kassilius could have been a stronger villain. We don't really learn too much like backstory on him. And uh, Scott Derrickson actually, the director, admitted that the MCU films Dedicate little time to developing antagonists, so he just hoped to show Cassielius's point of view, which with the limited time that he had with it, uh, that makes sense. Because the best developed villain is Thanos, but it's like over several movies. I would say that the best developed character for one film could be Ebediah in the first Iron Man. I think so that, that for villains, I, yeah, I think that he's got the best villain arc in one movie. Alone. I agree. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I, he's, yeah, he's the only one that they've really knocked it out of the park with just with it just being. The standalone film not multi not arcs throughout multiple films yeah danos like is the best arc but by the by the in the Endgame arc is cool but a lot built up to that you know what I mean. It might have been better if you have Cassilius as part of the Ancient One's temple, but maybe he's like it's like events leading him up to betraying her, eventually stealing the book. Maybe while Strange gets there at some point, maybe that would have worked better. Because I, I like that. I think if Strange is there and Cassilius is there, but he's also like kind of again, he's beginning to lose his belief in the Ancient One and what they're doing. And then like the 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 middle act of the film, he could betray them all, kill yeah. maybe kill a character that we've known like Mordo not not one of the main actors but like maybe there was another actor they could have hired killed that character so it's there's like emotional stakes from someone being killed by Cassilius, and then Cassilius leaves and with the book or whatever I think that, that that's a great idea I think it would work better because the I think this movie like a like half the MCU movies kind of has a villain problem where Cassilius isn't fully for uh, fledged out and then Dormammu even though it's interesting concept this other dimensional uh, dark God that wants to take over this dimension, this one-eyed Shuma, Shuma demonic monster who can fold matter in the real world and everything and and change everything. We don't get too much of him. It's just in the third act of the film and Strange does the time loops to keep him trapped to make the bargain. Maybe it would have been more interesting to have Kaecilius have more of a role because what I do like about Doctor Strange compared to other, other superhero movies, not just Marvel movies in general is... There isn't mass destruction at the end of the movie. Everything's put back together, and it's okay. It's just like a couple skyscrapers get taken down. They don't for even a little show bit. that happened, too. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I like about it, where it's not just mass destruction like pretty much every other superhero movie. And there could have been a rivalry between Strange and Cassilius if if um, the Ancient One. Grew, grew to really taking um, Strange on as a protege. It's a good idea. And then Cassilius would have been jealous of the attention that Strange was getting from the Ancient One instead of himself, and that could have added to his anger to leaving, and also forming a conflict between him and Strange. Hey, MCU, are you are you listening to us? Give these amazing plot ideas. You want us to remake Doctor Strange? We don't want to remake it, but maybe maybe hot. But bring us in for writers for Doctor Wolverine? Strange 3. <laughs> you need a Wolverine? Yeah, you want a Wolverine writer? We're happy to do that. <laughs> All right. The last year and a half, though, it has put a lot of stress and fatigue on the world, and we think it's so important to start placing your mental health as a top priority in your life, and we have a new sponsor for the show that we're so happy to be working with, BetterHelp, which is an online professional therapy and mental health service. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Use the link betterhelp.com raiders and get 10% off your counseling today. That's betterhelp.com slash raiders. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? What interferes with your happiness? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapists who are specialized in things like depression, stress, and anxiety, relationships, sleeping, and trauma. Anything you share is confidential, it's affordable. You can message your therapist anytime and you don't have to limit yourself to professionals just in your zip code. We want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener of Raiders of the Lost podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor, betterhelp.com slash raiders. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Raiders. And if you're watching on YouTube or on social media, you may have noticed that Anthony and I have some brand new laptops on our desk. These are courtesy of LG, the 17-inch LG Gram ultra-lightweight laptops. The great thing about them is their 16 by 10 aspect ratio, which means more vertical space. Awesome for editing our content and our podcast episodes. Great for taking notes and doing research. But most exceptionally, well, for watching films like Doctor Strange or any MCU movie. And I know a lot of people, you like to get cozy in bed before you go to sleep. I'm telling you, watching movies on the LG Gram are so great to do in bed. And it's the holiday season, so I recommend getting your hands on either the 16-inch or 17-inch model of the LG Gram Ultra Laptops. We'll put links for both in our YouTube video bio of this podcast episode. Thank you so much to LG for sponsoring the show for the rest of the year. All right, let's dive back into Dr. Strange. And what do you want to talk about now? Well, I think Benedict Cumberbatch is perfectly cast. And we have been fans of his for a while because we're Sherlock fans. And he's really a perfect casting as Sherlock. And I feel like Strange and Sherlock have a lot in common, which made Benedict a, a perfect casting choice. You know, they're both highly intelligent. They're both seem to have like... Strange says he has a photographic memory. Sherlock definitely has a photographic memory. And they both are arrogant because of their prowess and their powers mentally. And I think that he brought so much to the character of Doctor Strange. He's also, I feel like he reminds me more of Tony Stark than any other MCU character. Very, very similar character arc in this film as him. Similar goatees yeah, too. Very similar goatees, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Stephen Strange is a, a really interesting character. He's very flawed, but like I said, highly intelligent, highly skilled and accomplished, highly arrogant, which gets him into a lot of trouble which which causes him to get in that crazy car accident in the in the sports car that he's driving around. Which when I saw that, I was like, that's kinda really like bad judgment, pal. Yeah, terrible. Terrible judgment. But again, it's because he's so arrogant, he thinks he can do anything. And the thing about Doctor Strange is he seems like a good person. There's like a good person deep down inside of him. And you know, that opening of him in the hospital where he helps Christine's patient who the other doctor thinks is dead. And he re- and he uh, retrieves the bullet from the brain stem that had it in b- that person basically in a coma with which that made them think that he was dead. And so he helps people in the ER, but he thinks his his skills and talents are useless in the ER because all he can save, he says, is just like one drunk a night who gets shot by a gun, where. He's trying to save thousands, but also arrogantly, he only picks patients that are curable. He doesn't pick patients that are incurable, and he only picks patients that will make his resume better. So it's, he's really all about himself. It's like a, a lawyer who's just interested in cases they know they can win. Exactly. It's kind of yeah. like the devil's advocate. Exactly. Like Keanu Reeves character. He's He he rejects cases that are difficult or questionable to for victory, and he only takes cases that he knows are like sure thing like I can win this case He's a perfect record they and Dr Strange says he has a perfect like you, are you trying to ruin my perfect record so he won't even try to help somebody in desperate need of of life saving surgery if it might ruin his reputation but ironically he became a doctor because his his daughter I mean his his younger sister she died of some kind of illness or some kind of I can't remember some kind of injury she died young and that inspired um Stephen Strange to become a surgeon in the first place so that he could save lives but ironically well intentioned as he was in his pursuit of becoming a surgeon. He all of his success has gone to his head. So I think that his priorities and his motivations have changed as he became an adult and became more successful. And I think his 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 motivations went from I want to stop people from dying like my sister died to becoming uh, more of someone who's like he has good intentions, but he wants to be like infamous. He wants to be a famous doctor throughout history. He wants to be known for causing the cure of some kind of thing or maybe developing a surgery that would save, you know, thousands or even countless of lives in the f- countless lives in the future so even though he does still have good intentions he's more selfish than anything now yeah and as the ancient one points out to him he's full of fear and arrogance and he's afraid of failure that's one of his biggest character flaws in his life and obviously he's full of arrogance and he has to let go of both and realize that it's not about you in order to start to accept the spirituality and belief because he goes from a man of science to a man of faith and belief in spirituality but at first it's ironic because when he goes to the temple to speak with the ancient one and you know dr stephen strange spent decades acquiring knowledge as much as he could. And he seems like a very curious person when it comes to information about medicine and science. But then when he's he's introduced to this world of infinite knowledge and infinite information and things that he could never imagine, he rejects it immediately. And also because it's not based in, in science yeah. that he thinks of, you know, and he, think, he, he, he thinks in reality in the confines of this reality, whereas he is unaware of the multidimensional plane of existence where there's so much more than what he's ever even thought of yeah And casting Doctor Strange was a little difficult because they wanted Benedict Cumberbatch at first, but then he couldn't fit Doctor Strange into his schedule. He's a busy actor. He's in a lot of productions also. Sherlock, the BBC show, was filming at this time as well. And he was doing a theater production as well. And so Marvel, they turned their attention to, like, there was like a dozen or half a dozen actors on a short list. Joaquin Phoenix was top of the list, and that was rumored for several months where they were in negotiations, actually, and they were working out the contract, and everyone thought that Joaquin was going to be announced as the new Doctor Strange. At the 2014 San Diego Comic Con as part of the Marvel's panel, but he didn't show up and then he left negotiations. And, you know, I think a multi-deal. I think he realized that, like, do I want to be in 12 movies in the next 10 years about yeah. being the same character? Because Joaquin, not that there aren't great actors and artists in the MCU, obviously, but I think Joaquin is more of a guy. He he doesn't like to do sequels, and he likes to pick really interesting and dark characters as well. Like, he wouldn't probably have been able to do Joker if he did Doctor Strange. We wouldn't have gotten that from him. Yeah, and that's not to say that, you know, the Doctor Strange character isn't cool, but, like, it's not like like the other roles that Joaquin has played where they're very very different from any kind of like a blockbuster or Hollywood film they really tap into psyche and some of them are very dark and very disturbing and very complex and it's not really suited to something like the MCU universe stuff like he likes the master to do. yeah the master is a great example but also yeah. her is a phenomenal role as well so maybe he wouldn't have even had time to do films like that that he wanted to do and then so eventually when he dropped out they had a list of like Joseph Gordon-Levitt was on it, Jared Leto, Daniel Radcliffe met with with Marvel, Ryan Gosling, Jake Gyllenhaal, but eventually Benedict Cumberbatch was able to fit Doctor Strange into his schedule and sign the deal. He looks exactly like the Doctor Strange comic character. He does. Yeah. I think he might be the most resembling of the actual comic. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And um you know Doctor Strange, he's not perfect. But once he gets in that car crash and he, his hands are destroyed and i love when he wakes up because he's so arrogant he wakes up and he's all he cares about is like what did they do to my hands what procedures did they do what did they do to my hands they ruined me you ruined me the doctors ruined me rather than him ruining himself he did it to himself yeah exactly he's he he, he doesn't trust anyone else you know what i mean even though he's not i mean i can't it does it say what kind of surgeon he is he's a neurosurgeon neurosurgeon okay so i mean there are definitely experts in the field of you know repairing body parts like hands that he wouldn't even have like the necessary training in, but he, he probably has read about it enough. Oh, well, yeah. He's, he's a super genius yeah. with photographic memory and probably the best surgeon on the planet. So even though he's a neurosurgeon specifically, he, I'm sure he does, he does a ton of research. So like he's trying to do all these new experimental surgeries and treatments and all these doctors are failing at fixing his impossible to fix hands like there's no fixing them and even christine's like some things just can't be fixed and he rejects that he rejects her he's going broke he's living in this amazing condo that is empty now because he's lost everything he's trying to take out loans for experimental surgeries and and that's when he finally learns from his physical therapist about The man who walked again after breaking his back and the man thought it was impossible but then he walked past him on a street after he stopped coming to physical therapy tracks that guy down playing hoops and he tells (laughs) him about about karmitesh and what's great about the train that dr strange goes through a lot of transformations because first he is focused on so he loses everything and then he's focused on repairing himself and when he can't repair himself he searches alternative methods and he becomes a sorcerer And he gets to the point where near the end of the film where the ancient one says, you know, if you want, you can make your hands the way they used to be. But you would have to be like that that guy in the basketball court. Like that you just have to go back to your normal life and you won't be able to be you you wouldn't be a, a Sorcerer Supreme. You wouldn't be part of this this battle and you would just be, you know, Dr. Stephen Strange again. But he makes the choice of keeping his hands injured in order to serve a higher purpose than himself and it's a great character decision and really i think that's the key to the movie ultimately working is his decision to sacrifice the life he used to have and sacrifice his hands to be the hero that the world deserves yeah it's a great point because even when he's training he's like i don't want to be a part of this mystical war i just want to get my hands back and heal myself because jonathan Pangborn, the character who had a broken back and healed himself strange thinks that it was a therapy set like the therapy with this this place at Karmatash and he he thinks the ancient one healed him, but then he finds out that Jonathan Pangborn uses powers from the different, from other dimensions to fix himself. So he's not like he's like fully healed. If he stopped using the other dimensional power, he would have the broken back again. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like when Mordo in the post-credit scene takes his powers away and then he becomes paralyzed again. Great. I think it's a really one of the better post-credit scenes. Yeah. Mordo seems like he's cause yeah, we'll get to Mordo later on, but let's head into our intermission. How's that sound to you? sounds great all right let's start with our movie quote competition what do you got but I was gonna go to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters say it again but I was gonna go to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters in a very whiny voice I'm stumped Luke Skywalker in a new hope oh Very, he was wiry whiny. Yeah. <laughs> he is very whiny in the first one. <laughs> His uncle. That's when the, they get R2, D2, yeah. and C3 PR. Yeah. It's like, go clean these up and yeah. program He doesn't them. want to do it. He's like, oh, uh, uncle. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. All right, here's mine. What's wrong with you? You, What are you screaming for? Every five minutes, there's something, a bomb or something. I'm leaving. I'll <laughs> say again. <laughs> What's wrong with you? What are you screaming for? Every five minutes, there's something, a bomb or something. I'm leaving. <laughs> Is that Kevin Hart or Chris Tucker? Yeah, <laughs> it's Chris Tucker. Uh, what movie? It's gotta be. It's gotta be one of the Rush Hour movies. Rush Hour. Rush Hour 1. Fifth Element. or oh, Fifth Element. Oh! <laughs> Remember the bzzz? He's always He's like, yeah. Like, bzzz. Bzz. <laughs> <laughs> Corbin, <Dallas. laughs> Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas. Corbin Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> <Bzz. Bzz." laughs> I love that movie. He's really funny. He's in so it. good in it. Yeah. All right. Guest movie release year The Other Bowlin Girl. With Scar Joe and Natalie Portman. Ben's also in it. And then. Oh, yeah. He Eric, is. Eric er- Banner. Er- Eric Banner is the lead. I'm going to go with 2006, 2008. Ah, oh, damn. Here's mine <clears throat> Air Force One. I love this movie. Harrison Ford is the perfect president. Get off my plane. I, was, I think this is early 90s. I did all Gary Oldman for this quiz, for this trivia Cool, Exception. man. Cool. Uh, oh, yeah, he's a great villain in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with 1991. 97. Oh, man, is that yeah, late in the yeah. 90s? Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. I thought it was early '90s for sure. Nah, you, yeah, he's Harrison Ford's pretty up there. But he he's still looks good. He still looks good to this day. <laughs> right? Did you see him in that dog movie, called of the Wild*. <laughs> yeah. With, did you see his shirtless scene? No, I, don't think, I, don't, a, I didn't watch the whole thing. There's a, there's a scene of him like um, just uh, taking a bath in, the, in a small river. The guy's still got a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he, he looks like he's at 32 years old it works out every day it's absurd like it made me feel like wow i'm a piece of s a pos (laughs) all right movie pop quiz time who voiced the grinch in the 2018 animated film the grinch oh good question i didn't see it it actually Um, made half a billion dollars this movie was super successful yeah the grinch is a big property man oh man who voiced it is it a comedic actor damn it I'm. Go I don't know. With that. Oh, man. Um, I feel like I, I, uh, I don't know. Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you, oh man, I should. I should. Oh man, I should have known. Man, Benedict trivia. Should have known. Oh man, sucks to suck. <sighs> Who directed Leon? The professional Leon. Oh, Luke Besson. Yeah, good one. Easy peasy. You got it. All right, who, do we have any haters? What do we got? Haters of the week? Yeah, we got some haters. We got, we got, I found a real hater. A real one? It's actually been hard to find haters this past week or so. We've been getting just all positive messages. Also, I mean, we, we, we we stopped like really responding to haters and like looking at, but our fans like, they, y'all like it when we make fun of them on the show though. So we get a, we still get to keep an eye on them. We just don't respond to them. Yeah. So I posted the Gone Girl clip talking about how David Fincher used a lot of green screens. A um, ton. Yeah. And... Arbitrage Shanks wrote, So what? What's your point? Why would anyone care? My God, dude! And do then, you just wake up hating everything? Geez, I just responded. It, it's just a fun fact, pal. It's it's because it's, it's hidden in plain sight. He does yeah. it so well that you don't notice. That's what the point? What do you mean? What's the point? Like it's this, a movie it's podcast. Just, it's just a fun fact, Jesus. man. Jesus, nobody knew about it. We got a, so many comments. who were like, oh, this is crazy. This is so cool. And it's then, not like we said he, uh, David Fincher, filmed Gone Girl with a camera. Like it's not like something <laughs> like that. It's just because the green screen's done so well, you wouldn't know. Oh my God! He's a, what a, it's not like this movie, Doctor Strange, where obviously everything's green screen, but Fincher and Scorsese hide it in plain sight so it's, well. It's like these people, like they're when they're online, they just like look at things like not impressed, not impressed, not impressed, not true. I could do better. <laughs> Are you gonna use unsubscribe?s Oh yeah, we got some unsubscribes. Let me we pull always it. have unsubscribes. Hold them up. All right, for our Coen Brothers uh, Fargo Lebowski episode, Billy Billy Bob Joel wrote. Laughing at a uh, fictional character's death, one-star ratio <laughs> plus booze plus unsubscribed. <laughs> so we were laughing at the wife's death by uh, Greer, Kilder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were we were giggling about it. <laughs> but then we go, well, not that it's funny. It's just that yeah. it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> so, death's not funny, but it's you're supposed to laugh at it. It's a, it's a dark comedy. Yeah, and then so on your when you posted your Spotify rap playlist. Mg M at one one seven wrote Wow what a nerd unsubscribed <laughs> It's literally Hans Zimmer I had uh, fourteen thousand plus minutes listened to for Hans Zimmer and yeah. I'm in his point 0. 0, zero I'm in zero point zero one percent audience Oh yeah which I'm in I there did too. the math on Spotify It's the top eighty thousand listeners on his so Spotify. Oh wow like we are like some of the biggest fans of his in the world because he has like eight million listeners around there p- uh-huh. per month like it, it gives the monthly listener count and we're in the it's probably even more precise than that because that's just people listen but we're more, probably even smaller than yeah. that percentage yeah probably because that's people who just watch it listen every month not counting people come in all the time randomly yeah, and i doubt they go any lower than point zero one percent yeah we could be like we could be like point zero zero six percent you know basically but they rounded best up to- friends with Hans Zimmer. yeah he's our guy if only he knew we existed i know right man that'd be so cool <sighs> okay and then i messed up in the lebowski I called uh, Lebowski's sandals uh, jewels, but uh, Justin Becker called me out. He said, "How dare you respect jellies by calling them <laughs> jewels? I demand a public a public contrite apology, or I will be unsubscribed." <laughs> Justin Becker, I do not apologize, <laughs> but I will say I was wrong. But I will never apologize. <laughs> All right, so is that it? I have a, I have a, a top comment that I really right, like. you got? Um, I did the uh, I posted the clip in um Jurassic Park the way they did the ripples and the water cups is they played a guitar string underneath the um, the Glass. dashboard, yeah, and that v- created the vibration on the surface of the water. And then Jay Fleming 61 wrote, Dang, dinosaurs could play guitar, insane, <laughs> <laughs> insane. <laughs> that just cracked me up, man. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> that's a good one, dude. I love the internet because even though there are so many evil, terrible people like yeah. that first one, like people like that. That was such a funny (laughs) comment. I giggle all the time when I read stuff like that. It killed me. That's good. good. I didn't know dinosaurs could play guitar. How do you hold the paddles? (laughs) All right. uh, Supporter of this episode, top one, is a five-star review from Gabby Anderson. Best podcast for any movie fan. Super super entertaining and informative podcast. I love all the trivia and behind-the-scenes facts that the brothers bring to every episode. This is an excellent podcast to listen to for any movie fan. Keep up the good work, guys. P.S. My fiance made a bet that I couldn't get you guys to read my review during an intermission. Would you mind helping me out or else I will unsubscribe? You're welcome, Gabby. Gabby, I hope you put a lot yeah. on the table. I well, hope we get a little cut of that bet. Let us know Which, what it was. What was the bet? Well, depending on what it is. I don't want to <laughs> Actually, yeah, never mind. If it's like Thai food, give me like some orange chicken, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on this day in film history. Today is Monday, December 13th. In 1950, James Dean begins his career with an appearance on a Pepsi commercial. In 1956, Anastasia, comeback film for Ingrid Bergman, is released in the U.S. Ingrid Bergman won an Academy Award for Best Actress in this film. In 1989, Driving Miss Daisy was released. It also won Best Picture in 1990. And in 2001, A Beautiful Mind, based on the bio by Sylvia Nassar, Directed by Ron Howard, starring Russell Crowe, premieres in Los Angeles. Won Best Picture in two thousand and two. And Happy Birthday to Steve Buscemi and Jamie Foxx. You know, De Niro's first ever role was uh, in a Lincoln commercial. Was for, it really for Lincoln Cars? Yeah, he's like it's it set in um in the I think the Bronx in a little Italy neighborhood. And then he he got like a new car and he's talking to his parents about it, and they're super super Italian. Isn't wasn't Brian Cranston one of his earliest roles in like a car commercial as well? Maybe. I yeah, think, I think maybe. I remember seeing that. Uh, my streaming recommendation for this episode is going to be Mrs. Doubtfire on Amazon. Nice. I love like family movies during the, the the holiday season. It just makes me feel so it's warm. It's a great family movie. It's a great yeah. one. It makes you feel so good, and it's so funny. Robin Williams yeah. in his prime. It's yeah. an awesome it's, movie. It's one of his best. Uh, Amazon Prime just added The Hunt for Red October. It's a really underrated um war film. Jack about- Re- I mean, Jack Ryan, right? No, no, that's the, um, a different one. This oh, okay. is with um, Sean Connery. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, it is Jack Ryan. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's okay. It's Jack Ryan. It, Alec Baldwin plays Jack Ryan. Yeah. 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 And it's a great, great film. Really good. John uh, McTiernan directed it. Oh, okay. So he yeah. made Die Hard. Yeah. I love that guy. Yeah. Predator, too. He's a really underrated director. And Sean Connery's awesome. And it, it's very similar to Crimson Tide, where there's a situation, a possible conflict, and then Alec Baldwin, his character, has to convince Sean Connery to um, not fire on an enemy Russian ship. All right, let's get back into Doctor Strange. And how about, real quick, let's talk about Christine, Christine. played by Rachel McAdams, who I think is one of the best actors in the MCU because she's such a terrific, talented actress. And I I was hoping that Christine would have a little more of an integral role going into the third act of the film because I thought she was a great character in the first and second act. But she kind of disappears after the Ancient One dies. I was hoping she'd come in there, maybe help Doctor Strange out maybe a little more. Um, but I think Rachel knocks it out of the park. Christine's a really interesting character. She obviously has the past relationship with Dr. Strange. They work in the same hospital. She has the, st- the Strange policy or where she doesn't date coworkers anymore because they obviously have that past. And for the entire film and that we see before Strange goes to Karmatosh, he's basically kind of rejects her a lot. And then when he's having his surgeries and experimental surgeries, he rejects her for a final time and pushes her away completely. Yeah, I just I think I was also let down. I know it's the first film in the series of this character, but she does kind of have li- not much to do at all in terms of the plot. She's more of the emotional connection for Steven, especially when he's out training and he still holds on to that watch that she gave him. Uh, but I, I, I would love to see more of her in the next film. I hope Hopefully she has a bigger role for sure. Yeah, but I love the watch because, you know, the character of Steven Strange before his car accident is so arrogant. Very materialistic. Obviously, he's going to speak at that event that's gonna be all about him, which is why Christine doesn't want to go. And he opens up that drawer and there's like a dozen, maybe more, probably thirty thousand, fifty thousand dollar watches. Tom Brady's watch drawer spinning. And he's like, Oh, which one of these Rolexes do I take? And he takes this one. And then when he's lost everything, he saves one watch. Which we think is probably just one of his favorite nice ones. But then we find out with the inscription on the back that it's a watch that was a gift from him to him from Christine. And what's it say? It says, only time will tell how much I love you. Yeah. And also, the watch, he refused to give it to the thieves. He'd rather fight them than give it up. And he says, it's the only thing I have left. And you can tell it's probably not very valuable, but it's important to him and that's why it's all he has left. It's because it's a symbol of the love that he's been hiding and pushing down deep down for Christine, which is getting me be so emotional. <sighs> Hey, I, I mean, I I love Rachel McAdams too. <laughs> <laughs> I wish she gave me a watch. But I one, but one of my favorite scenes in the movie though is when Steven, he gets stabbed by the the sorceress s- saber invisible knife thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he goes to the ER and he finds Christine to perform the emergency surgery on him. I really like that scene and we have the astral projection fight, but it's really funny. Um, Rachel McAdams is awesome, and, and they're, they're back and forth where he's coming up as an astral projection and going back and disappearing and like affecting the environment around her while she's pulling out all that dark fluid from his chest. It's pretty funny. pretty funny. Just blood, though? It's not. No, it's like black. I think, his blood, I think he's um, hemorrhaging inside. Yeah, I don't know anything about science. <laughs> so I think it's uh, hemorrhaging. Or biology. Yeah, I think that's what it was. She's, she's pulling the blood out. Suck it. Well, it's dark blood. I think it might be blood in his lungs is what it was. Something like that. Yep. You're probably right, man. <laughs> Thanks. You're probably right. You should be a doctor. <laughs> I should. Screw <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to medical school. Wait, Just no, go. actually. I don't need to go to medical watch school. Watch some YouTube videos, it's all. It's about who you know. <laughs> <laughs> you find it up on TikTok, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I also think... Uh, the thing with Stephen Strange is when he's still a surgeon, he also has a lack of connection to people. Like, he pushes people away in terms of uh, Christine, but also he doesn't let people connect to him. Like, when he saves that man's life in the opening, and she, he and Christine go to tell the family that he's going to be okay, the, the wife of the man, we can assume it's the wife of the man, goes to hug Stephen, and he gives her, like, a, a, a hug that still keeps distance between them, and he looks away. And just he like, doesn't even yeah, use his yeah. arms, he's just like, yeah, yeah He's just like, yes, okay. So he doesn't even want to develop connections with people, even, even though he changed their lives and made such an impact. He doesn't really want to make a connection until you know he goes through his character transformation. Yeah, and there's a great moment uh, for Christine where this is after the surgery on Doctor Strange and he, t- he opens up the portal and disappears into it, which is actually the, really, the way they did the portals was they had just a circle like led Uh, panel and then behind that was a green screen and then he would just jump into it and you could see the new environment really simple yeah it's really simple and practical and it worked really well it looks great and then um after he disappears uh Christine turns to the camera and then a broom falls down and she screams and shrieks that actually is genuine because that was that broom wasn't supposed to fall down and she doesn't break character because Rachel McAdams such a great actor so Do- Scott Derrickson kept it, it does look film. like she really was terrified yeah, that makes sense she she, de- she yeah. screams man that's a good scream <laughs> that's funny <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some other characters we also have Baron Mordo played by Chutel Jafour, who is awesome actor he's great in this movie um, he has I, a great accent. He does have a yeah. great accent. I can't everything. pinpoint where his accent is from in this movie. I wonder where. Let me look up where the character. Yeah, from. It's, it's a it's a really specific accent. It doesn't sound. It, I can't. I couldn't pinpoint it. But he's one of our favorite actors. He's in so many great films, and I'm very excited for him to be the villain of the next one. Yeah, because he's. A, yeah, he's he's a super villain eventually. Yeah, he'll become the villain of Multiverse of Madness. Is what I would guess because of how they ended this film. But you know. He was. He felt betrayed by learning that the ancient one has been um, taking power from the um, the dark world to give herself everlasting life, um, and also the portrayal of changing uh, all using the eye of was it Mordo, Agamotto, eye of Agamotto to change the makeup of reality. He's also against. So I think that Mordo is a complex character who is so committed to um, what, uh, to so committed to their craft that. The the betrayals really dig deep within him and cause him to become a villain. Yeah, he's so into the purity of what they're doing and the rules and the disciplines that when he finds out that the ancient one is drawing power from the dark dimension to preserve her life for centuries, he feels incredibly betrayed. And even at the end of the film, when Doctor Strange saves the day with the Time Infinity Stone, he's still upset. And Mordo is upset with that because, um, what's he say? Uh, the bill will come due. The so, bill, yeah, the bill, the bill is due. The bill will come due. The, the, the bill comes due. Bill comes due, and that's actually from uh, Doctor Strange comics. When Doctor Strange received constant warnings of the bill coming due for wielding magic, in consequence, he attracted the attention of the anti-magic scientists, the empirical, who, sever- who severely depowered the magicians of Earth. So Moro feels very betrayed by, eventually, you could say, by Doctor Strange doing that as well, and he he thinks there's going to be major consequences. And I honestly, I think it's going to be a great segue into him being a villain His a villain i'm guessing for the second one he could be uh, like a, a magician who's just keeps sucking the power from other magicians maybe until he's like so powerful like no other sorcerer can compare to his strength besides dr strange probably dr strange will need some help from wanda though <laughs> i think i think shuitel will be a major player in that sequel i'm very excited i hope I'm so sure, yeah because he's such a great actor but he hasn't had like the big big movie, you know what I mean? He's been in some great. Films, yeah, well, twelve years. you twelve years late, but like, still, like, I'm sure not many people even know his name still yeah, to this day. Like, probably mainstream. Because w- the first time I saw *Children of Men*, I thought he was. Yeah. Exceptional yeah, in that movie. Great. That was like my early exposure to ben Chiwetel. Then Red Belt, the UFC, the MMA one yeah. is a really good one. Yeah. Made by Paul Haggis. Mm-hmm. That's a great film that he was in. I think it was 2006, so that's an older one. But he's a super talented guy. Yeah. then obviously Inside, Inside Man, Man and and also American Gangster. Yeah. So we'd like to see him finally get these big leading films and big productions, he was just in that new Anton Foucault movie with Mark, R- Mark Wahlberg, too. The uh, oh, yeah, dimensional yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, he plays the villain in that. So, um, yeah, we love Chutel, so it's awesome to see him getting these big roles and to see him as a big baddie in the MCU is going to be awesome. I, I do have one problem with this movie. Only one? One major one. Okay, let's hear it. So I really like Doctor Strange. I think it's it's in my top ten Marvel movies. But there, what happens in this movie, it doesn't really make too much sense where when things go wrong, there are no magicians around. Like So when... Um, attacks the New York Sanctum and then Dr. Strange, um, accidentally gets thrown in there through the doorway. He's in the New York Sanctum and there's nobody there. And then there's just like that one master of the Sanctum who dies pretty quickly. But it's like, there are no other sorcerers in the New York Sanctum at all. Because it's not like Caecilius has been there wrecking, like murking people inside the Sanctum. It's like Dr. Strange watches him arrive. You know what I mean? So they just showed up and there's nobody, no other sorcerers there to defend the Sanctum except for this one guy. And then also in the third act when things go wrong and like all hell breaks loose and the Sanctum gets destroyed, like there's no other sorcerers except for Wong, Mordo, and and um, Strange. Because like in the tr- while he was training with the sorcerers, like we saw so many not just trainees – and young sorcerers, but we saw several masters, like that, that master with the one hand, and mm-hmm. there are a couple other masters in the backgrounds of shots that, you know, the ancient one just speaks to for a moment here and there. So there are s- lots of sorcerers, but they just never appear. Like there should have been like an army of sorcerers when the climax was happening. Maybe there aren't as many as we think. In- yeah, I guess, but like what happened to all of them? Uh, maybe they're all at the different temples protecting from uh, Dormammu to- from coming, I don't know. I kind of agree with you. That that's, that's my biggest qualm with the movie is like there were no other sorcerers I get around. It. I get it. But speaking of sorcerers, now I want to start talking about the ancient one, in Sorcerer Supreme. But first, I'd have to check out the Ancient One's book of Cagliosho. but I highly doubt that there is a self-grooming spell in there, so I recommend getting the Lawnmower 4.0 Groomer from Manscaped.com using our coupon code RAIDERSOFTHELOST at checkout for 20% off and free shipping on your entire order today from Manscaped.com. They also just launched a bunch of brand-new products, including their 2-in-1 shampoo conditioner, which has cologne infused inside of it, as well as their body wash. It smells great. I'm using it every day in the shower. Have been for about a month now. They're also expanding their line even more in January, so that they cover basically all the products that guys need in their everyday lives—not just for grooming. But you'll see, I'm pretty excited to finally get some of that stuff in. Their Larmor 4.0 Groomer is skin-safe, has a 7,000 RPM, waterproof, has built-in light, so you can use in the shower, fellas. Go for it, and just join the over 2 million men worldwide who are using their products. I highly recommend everything. Anthony, I've been using them for about a year now, and it's the holiday season. If you got to get a gift for the guy in your life whether it be husband, fiance, boyfriend, brother, cousin, uncle, dad, whatever. Go to manscape date go to manscape.com use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. Are you fans of movie posters? I am. If you want to get some great movie posters, head on over to movieposters.com and use our special promo code Raiders10. To get 10% off your order today, the holiday season is just around the corner. There is no better gift to get the film lover or TV lover in your life than awesome movie posters to deck out their room or house with. Our set is covered in these amazing posters. High-quality stuff, everyone. MoviePosters.com has all sorts of sizes, framing, backlighting, whatever your poster needs are. They can handle it, as well as pretty much every film or TV show imaginable. Head on over to MoviePosters.com. Use our special promo code. Raiders ten to get ten percent off your order today. And our other amazing sponsor, Arc Studio Pro, is offering a very special deal. Thirty dollars off their membership if you use our link, Arc Pro.com slash Raiders. Arc Studio Pro is the most efficient, streamlined, and elegant screenwriting software on the market. I use it every day for my screenwriting needs. They have all sorts of pork, they have all sorts of perks like apps for your desktop or phone, online collaboration with co-writer so it's like you're using Google Documents super helpful outlining tools revisionist management and even links to feedback but my favorite feature is the plot board which is is this digital flashcard system of a drag-and-drop method where you can organize your plot points organize your acts organize your characters it's super helpful if you're writing knowing where you're going is super important also arc studio make sure that the format of your script is perfect to the industry standard again Head on over to arcstudiopro.com slash raiders to get $30 off and start writing today. Okay, let's dive into The Ancient One, played by Tilda Swinton, who is an exceptional actor. She's so talented. The Ancient One is the Sorcerer Supreme. And I think it's no... We have to talk about, obviously, that this film was accused of whitewashing for giving the role of the character known as The Ancient One to Tilda Swinton. Um, The character in the comic books is of Tibetan descent. And I think that I found out, obviously, this filmmaker scrubbed the Tibetan origins of the character from the comic book altogether in large parts over fears of offending the Chinese government and people and using ac- and losing access to one of the world's most lucrative film markets. According to an insider account in an interview with Robert Cargill, a screenwriter, he offered an explanation for why the ancient one was no longer Tibetan. The issue is one of the thorniest involving China and other nations. The Chinese Communist Party and its army occupied Tibet in 1951, and Chinese leaders are well aware that many non-Chinese believe that Tibet should have independence or greater autonomy, so they didn't want to alienate the entire country of China from seeing this film because I don't think they would have screened it. And I think, so I think that that's, I mean, that's definitely the case if that's totally true. And I think the filmmakers really dropped the ball because they said, so their explanation for casting Tilda Swinton was, and this is from Scott Derrickson, he decided to cast a non-Asian actor in the role, but to make the, to still take the opportunity to cast an amazing actress in the male role. So, they, and they, he said that it would be perceived as exploiting an Asian fetish by casting uh, an Asian actor, which I think is just kind of BS because it's, this could be an opportunity of like bridging the gap between two cultures, like so many films in the past. Um, also if this kind of, um, ritual, if this kind of like mysticism, um, spirituality, um, religion is based in a certain culture. It only makes sense to cast someone from that culture. You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense to be like, it's offensive if we cast someone in that culture. It's like, no, that that's accurate to the culture. So cast an actor from that area. And I think they kind of just like lied about why they cast Tilda Swinton because they were like, we don't want to be racist by casting an Asian actor. But ultimately, it was way more racist to cast a white actor in the role of what is historically an, an asian character and make them making them of celtic descent the yeah. sorcerer supreme so i think it's just a slap in the face of that culture by saying we're not going to use your culture at all and so we're just going to plant an america like an a, a, a white actor in the role so i think they just messed up well yeah mm, nothing you can do about it now yeah. the Sorcerer supreme though is a very interesting character Uh, She teaches Stephen Strange to reorient the spirit to heal the body because Stephen Strange goes to her desperately out of trying to heal his hands to get back his life, which he thinks he can only find meaning in his work. And without it, he has no meaning. And initially, he rejects the spirituality and belief and the endless potential of knowledge. And then it's really cool when um, the, the Sorcerer Supreme, the ancient one, Pushes Stephen Strange for the first time out of his body to reveal his astral projection and then throws him through the dimensional time loop or whatever it is it's, it's really fun. It's visually stunning, too. It's a great sequence I like the hands part when all the little tiny hands start growing out of his fingers and sprouting and branching it's off creepy It's super creepy. I feel like I always see like little nods to 2001 a space odysseys ending. There's a few yeah uh, uh, Trans uh, traveling through the d- dimensions in that as especially well. like the uh, POV of light um, passing by on all directions, but I feel like there's a couple that are definitely frames it looks like from that yeah definitely i think that it was still a little too cgi for me i feel like because Kubrick did so much pra- it's all practical and then Terrence mock did a lot of practical effects when he made uh, the tree of life with space and so i think that there there still could have been some great practicality involved in the creation of that sequence but still it was very cool yeah so the ancient one eventually takes on stephen strange after being convinced by mordo to take him on and he becomes a very fast learner, obviously. And then we see his extreme curiosity as he wants to read as many books as he can. He steals from some from the library from Wong while he's listening to Beyonce, which is pretty funny. And then he wants his, to get his hands on the Ancient One's private study in her private books in the book of Cogliart Her oh. Harry Potter <laughs> Harry Potter series. <laughs> the first edition. So, yeah, And then uh, that's where he learns of the... Um, the spell that brought back, the Cagliostro, the spell that brought um, Dormammu, or is bringing Dormammu to their dimension and gave uh, Cassilius those- The connection perp- between them, yeah. The purpley eyes. Yeah, the purpley <laughs> eyes. Those The eyes are actually, uh, those are um, a practical special effect. And they're behind the scenes photos, and it's like they actually did that on the actor's faces. Well, the makeup, but the glowing part. The glowing, obviously, yeah. The yeah. glowing jab, but everything but else But all is like, the cracked, like, destroyed skin. Yeah, I, looks think really, I think it looked great. It looks great, yeah. And Mads Mikkelsen kills it. Like, there's that scene when when um, Strange traps him in that suit, and then Mads has a great chunk of dialogue, and he's literally crying while he's speaking. It's like, whoa, this guy is a crazy good actor. It's amazing. <laughs> and one of my favorite parts between um, The Ancient One and, and Stephen Strange is when Stephen, you know, he won't let go of his arrogance, he won't let go of his fair, fear of failure, and he can't create with his sling ring the circular dimensional portal to go to different parts of their dimension. He's having trouble versus everybody else being able to do it And in order for her to convince him to lose his fear of failure and let go of his arrogance and realize it's not about him is leaving him on Mount Everest and disappearing (laughs) through a portal and closing it and forcing him to have to let go of all of that. To create a portal to save his own life i like because does immortal it kind of i wasn't sure if he said this did he say to the ancient one not again yeah yeah. So so clearly she people, have, people have died yeah <laughs> frozen to death <laughs> oh, on oh no mount not, everest. A, not again <laughs> <laughs> and they get there and stephen strange is just like frozen <laughs> blood out of pouring out of Half his ears. The dead bodies that are on mount everest <laughs> are from the ancient one <laughs> ancient one that's 300 <laughs> <laughs> Gonna crack a couple legs to make an omelette. Yeah, but eventually she turns out to be a great teacher. And her death is pretty sad, but also she accepts it. You know, it's time basically for her to pass on. It, it doesn't really feel like she's her spirit, like, because they show the evidence of spirituality. So, like, it seems like her spirit's just going to pass yeah. on to the next plane. But I love the, the dialogue, and she's talking about how, you know, I've thought I've been so ready to welcome death at my entire life, but now that it's here... I'm still trying to stretch out every single moment to be as long as possible until she eventually goes. Yeah. And I think another highlight of the film is the fight in the uh, New York Sanctum between Doctor Strange and um, the, the Cassilius and his, his goons. I think it's a really great fight. The goons. The goons. The zealot goons. <laughs> they never, yeah, the zealots. They, we never get their names. But I think it was a lot of fun. Very creative, especially the hallway sequence. And I think they it was, it was a really fun action sequence, uh, very reminiscent of like the hallway scene in Inception. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was really cool. Yeah, so how about we talk a little bit more about some like magic and relics and stuff like that i love magic so and relics. the mirror dimension i think is a lot of fun it's a parallel dimension that allows the user to practice their magical abilities and fight their enemies without the public's knowledge this, this is, is a training program yeah <laughs> basically the matrix <laughs> those who use the power of the dark dimension have a stronger control over space and matter than they usually would to the point of being able to fold and warp spy space in reality so the mirror dimension is really fascinating it's an awesome concept and it's really cool when she shows it to him for the first time but then steven strange not understanding the full concept of what he's dealing with with magic and the sorcery. Uses the mirror dimension to what he thinks is trapping um, Casilius and his zealots inside when they try to release Dormammu at the Sanctum, but eventually makes things worse and is... As Morto says, it's like a suicide sentence, what he did to them. Because we're trapped in there with them. And, and if have, they don't have a sling ring, they can't get out. And they have- Well, they have a sling ring, but for, <laughs> some, for some reason, when they're trapped inside the mirror dimension with-, with uh, And they're running through the, the with Cacilius, world shaping around. And in yeah. this mirror dimension, the Caecilius' powers are, are expanded, he, they keep making the portals, but they keep making the portal, like, 4,000 feet in front of them. So, that they're, they he makes the portal, then, like, all right, let's run to it. <laughs> and then they don't make it in time. It's like, dude, just put it right in front of you. It's like a football field away. It's like, oh, man, and they, we have to run up the skyscraper. They, they Castilius keeps stopping them. It's like, they have no time to get to it. Like, why is it just not, like, right in front of them? Why is it more like, dude, just put it right there, and we'll jump through it in one second. <laughs> but, you know, you got to extend the the climax. Yeah, yeah, that, so. that's a little, but that, that is probably that's like the showstopper sequence of the film. Very visually stunning, very creative. Um, I like how they shape shift the world because the mirror dimension is like based upon reflections. So you get these really cool right angles where like the city starts and then right angles down, and really interesting concepts. Paradox, visually. Yeah, yeah, paradox is happening all over the place. Really fun. I, s- I remember seeing it in theaters, and I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and that's when the ancient one shows up and, and helps them get away, but then eventually gets stabbed herself, and they all try to save her. Um, another great piece of magic in Relic, I think, is the Cloak of Levitation. Yeah. So we talked about it a little bit earlier, and the characterization is super fun, very funny, hysterical. It has its own personality. Again, it's not like that in the comics, although in the comics it does obey Stephen Strange's commands if it tells it to do something. and. Honestly, I think it's one of the best parts of the movie, and Marvel absolutely nailed it. The bolt, the cloak of levitation grants the user the ability to fly and float in a much more effective way than using a flight spell. The cloak is capable of reaching subsonic speeds, which maybe we'll see later on in, in the future wow. multiverse film or maybe even the Spider-Man movie, though must require some small extent of magic in the wearer to function, as shown when the magic drained Doctor Strange fell to Earth. And so I would love to be able to see that he also use it as a magic carpet and stand on it. But in the trailer, he's not wearing the cloak in many of the action sequences. So maybe Peter maybe steals the cloak or something. Oh, that's a good point. Because a lot of the shots, he's just in his blue outfit with no cloak. That's a good uh, good point. Thanks. Maybe the CGI is not done. No, no, they they, they, <laughs> they would have had it done for the trailer. But I think that I think that maybe he doesn't have his cloak for most of the film. Yeah, so I love the cloak. It's one of, my, one of the best Very parts of the charming. movie. Very charming, yeah. I yeah. Um, have Agamotto it's a powerful rel- relic created by agamotto the first sorcerer supreme as a containment device for the time stone which stephen strange eventually curious curious yeah much starts to learn to use. and um i like when he first uses it and he's doing the apple sequence i thought that was super cool when he's reversing time of the apple from eating it and it rot, becoming rotten to go back going forward going backwards and he's trying to start to play with it i think that for the audience helps to set us up for end game of what that means with him being able to warp time. And also Mordo warning him like, Do you want to live in the same moment ever over and over and over again for infinity? So like they def there are two Easter eggs to prepare us for the, for the climax yeah. of the film. Um what else do we have for relics? There's the um Mordo's boots oh, yeah. which allow him to walk all over the place. And then that that like vase that he picks up. Yeah. And I love when he he picks it up and threatens Um, with it, Castellius is with it, oh man, don't use that on me. He's like, you don't know how to use that, do you? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny, yeah. Um, what else do we have for stuff like that? Well, there's the staff that Wong uses, but we never saw it in use. He just holds it and then he gets killed. True. So we, that has powers as well. I can't remember what they are. And then, I think in general, just the dark dimension would be the final thing to talk about because it's really interesting. If you actually look at the comics of of Doctor Strange and the other dimensions, obviously the, the old ones look really cool, what they did with it, with the modern looks and aesthetic and, and CGI. It looks pretty incredible. And I really like this scene where Doctor Strange goes to bargain with Dormammu after he shows up in Hong Kong and he freezes time and starts to reverse it. Or he stops time, then he goes to see Dormammu. Right, or he goes there. He starts to reverse time. They, they, he's reversing time. Then, um, everything stops. It. Yeah, and then he goes to bargain with Dormammu. And this, this is really cool because we see kind of like probably what he did when he was uh, on that planet after Thanos attacked them. Of which one or before Thanos attacks them. Yeah. He must be like, he must be so old mentally. For sure, yeah, if you think about it. Because if he did the 14 million scenarios, that means he lived them all. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. That's pretty boring. (laughs) Well, probably exciting, though. Oh, 14 million times? (laughs) Would you watch Avengers Endgame 14 million times? I don't think I'd watch it 14 times (laughs) in my life. Maybe, who knows. But um, that's a lot of times. That's a lot of times to watch. Uh, And I love the concept where he's trapped Dormammu, this demonic, other-dimensional dark being, godlike figure, in this loop forever and he's his prisoner now and obviously eventually dormammu bargains with him to take his zealots away and never come back while that steven strange is there which yeah. is pretty cool yeah I-, I think it's a it was a really um interesting finale it's not what we were ex- we were expecting like oh this is gonna be like an epic battle between strange and dormammu but it's more like he um outwitted him he outwitted him and yeah. this is a great character moment for dr strange and Stephen because he's sacrificing himself to be here to save the planet rather than always wanting everything to be about himself. He's basically, I'll stay here forever, for an eternity with you, forever doing the same thing. You don't think I will? You don't think I will? Try I'll do me, it. try I'll do me. It. So that earth in that dimension in my world is safe. I will do that. So this is like a full character moment for Stephen Strange. Yeah, great point. um And then I think the best shot of the movie is like the final shot when Strange is walking through the Sanctum Centaurum towards that big window. Like, he's fully fledged Doctor up Strange now. the stairs, downstairs. great. Yeah. That's the best shot of the movie, yeah. going up the stairs, yeah, silhouetted. Great so hero shot. So I think that was a great finale. Yeah, and you know, I, I really enjoyed this. And we get it, obviously, if it's 2016 when it came out, we get the tease of the Time Stone, the Infinity Stone. We get the teases of the multiverse. with then, uh, the, Mor- the mortal post credit scene. Yeah, and then also there was the Thor post credit scene with Doctor Strange inside that the was sanctum. Funny. Yeah. yeah, that was funny. He keeps filling up his beer and stuff yeah. like that. So that's a good time. Um, yeah, overall, this is a really great MCU movie can't can't wait to see Spider-Man No Way Home and it seems like Doctor Strange is a huge part of that movie and then we have Multiverse of Madness coming out in 2022 so Stephen Strange is heating up in the MCU. He's on fire at this guy. He's warm. He's warm. He's (laughs) taking control. (laughs) And we said uh, I said all of my trivia during the episode, so I don't have any trivia. I think I pretty much said all of mine, too. I kind of just, like, hid them inside what I was talking about, because I thought it would be a little more fun. You just laced it in there. Laced it in there. What a professional. Very subtle, you know. Like a a pro. But we really hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Doctor Strange. Yeah, this is, like, 150 of, like, the main episode, not counting the bonus episodes and stuff like that. So, that's pretty wild. Thanks, everybody, for all the support and tuning in. Let us know how much you love Doctor Strange and how excited you are to see Spider-Man No Way Home coming out very, very soon. I'm sure you all got your tickets. We can't wait to check it out. Become a patron today at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to subscribe if you're new. Hit the like button. Leave a comment. Find us on all audio streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us. Find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Be sure to check out one of these other videos right here for more content on our favorite films and breaking down all kinds of movie content. Thanks so much.